So I I want to talk about a concept I've just been chewing on this early afternoon. I'm working nights right now, and so I'm getting ready to go to bed. But uh, I wanted to put this thought out there. There's some interesting concepts with this idea of a new humanity. And um, to give you a good base for this, I want to uh, direct you to a video through the Bible Project. It's called The New Humanity. Go figure, right? I'll put a link into it uh, in the description of this podcast. But uh, that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. What are some things that kind of allude to what this new humanity looks like and, and how we begin to see it in the scriptures and realize it for ourselves? And some things that, in 2017, I really just began to chew on, wanting to know more about some things that I'm reading that, uh, you know, it's just not really talked about a whole lot in church sermons these days. It's, it's not, a, not a topic that most pastors are looking to, uh, to handle. They just, they don't, they don't know. They don't know. And I, I have witness of this myself, where I've sat in a room with a pastor that, man, this is a very gifted individual that truly cares about his people. He has written sermons for, you know, internationally televised uh, people that, uh, you know, they have very cleverly crafted words. And so this, this man is good. But he flat out told me, he's like, I... I asked him, can you, can you preach from all of these books in the Bible? And he just, he said, no, you know. There's just some material that just doesn't preach for what people are looking to hear these days. And the prophecy that that fulfills, you know, in, in the last days, that men will heap upon themselves teachers that will just itch their ears, that'll tell them the things they've been waiting to hear. And it just allows them to live in a very carnal state gives me the best way to live my best life now kind of feel uh, you know it might not go to that far extreme but we're still living a life in our own our own vanities our own pride of life and if you read in John's letters the pride of life is missing it man if the call of a Christian is to crucify our flesh daily uh, that conflicts with the pride of life I'm sorry it's a rough thing to really hear but when we're ready to give up what we think we know and what we're supposed to be doing here, it gives us a chance to really see what is this new humanity that's coming. And so watch that video and uh, then begin to look at the Word when you read God's Word on so many areas where He's given us some clues. And The temple's important. There's a lot of illustration from the beginning about the temple with Moses. and He was writing what he saw in the, the images that he saw up in the mount of this temple representation. And then you just see this theme all throughout. And even and then Paul gives us this clue. He says, don't you know that you are the temple? And man, that, it's, it's a very small, quick statement. But the implications of everything that's led up to this point of recognition it, it's huge if you really slow down to look in God's word of all the representations of the temple and how important these things were 
and now he's pointing to us as this dwelling of God's presence. And Jesus was that embodiment. He went through the place to where he was tested and purified for the work of being the temple of God's spirit in him to manifest heaven on earth. That's what he's doing. He's announcing the kingdom of heaven come down to earth. Emmanuel, God is with us. And we just had no friggin' clue what it, what it should have looked like. And it, it messed with the religious people. And, and that's, that's why those that are our spiritual teachers today just for the most part don't touch on these areas. And then also if the ones that do, they're very calmly minded at, at best. And it's unfortunate that it's been this way, so it would seem, but it just wasn't time yet. And when you can wrap your mind around that, there's forgiveness and grace, even for those who, like Saul, was killing God's people thinking he was doing God a favor. Like that backwards. And yet God's merciful and long-suffering enough that uh, he forgave him and made him the cheerleader to the Gentiles. <laughs> you know? Um, and so don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. But here's, here's my thoughts of just some recognition of, of what this translation looks like. What, what is the themes? What, is, what should we be looking for? And uh, you know, Jesus said to, to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and to go and make other disciples following this very same way teaching what he had commanded. And one of the commands that he had given along his path to someone that he bid to come and, and be a disciple, he said, sell everything and follow me. And the rich young ruler to this day has no name because he, he said no. He couldn't do that. And that was the key that Jesus says, if you want to be perfect. In the same way that in Matthew 5, he says, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Same context here. And so this world has an idea of what perfect looks like, or at least we think, you know. It, we're schizophrenic at best even when it comes to that with all the different stereotypes and things we have out there and what we are trying to achieve. And we have to be ready to throw every bit of that crap out the window. I mean, if any one of you who's listening has tried to attain any type of perfection that this world standards has put out, you'll find that it's... It, it's a house of cards. It's it's a it's snipe hunting. <laughs> yeah, it's a vapor. You're not going to find it this way. And um, the perfect that Jesus is talking about is at that moment when his spirit comes to you, that's the right way to look at this relationship. Come to him as a child, clean slate, forsake everything you thought you knew. And follow him, and you have to put your faith to action. And so it's one thing to say, okay, fine, I'm going to think about this the new way. But it, it's a completely other than to submerge yourself by faith to say, if his promises say that he's going to take care of me, especially if I do take this leap of faith, then why don't we? And that's the part that everyone's just like, ooh. You know, even to be a disciple and to have these mysteries revealed to you because he only reveals them to his followers. He doesn't reveal them to the general. He only speaks in parables to them. That's what he told us. He says, you've got to forsake everything to follow me. These are the prerequisites of the job description. 
and so when churchianity just preaches that you know just keep treading water week to week waiting for you know the next best tip on how to not lose it this week you know we're missing the point we're missing the point it's okay we drowned descend and what i mean by that is the baptism in jordan was very symbolic jordan means to descend and let let life swallow you up whole. The beast is going to overtake you. It's okay. It was meant to. But if you lay yourself down for his name's sake, he's going to give it back to you. He's going to say, okay. Just as you laid yourself down, he, that's what he said. I laid my life down to take it back up again. And if we have that same faith, that it's his spirit in us, and that's how this, this thought process continues to work. And you're not going to find it in... And the contemporary setting of, of current churchianity, it's, it's just, it's not there. There has to be something new. If not, we'd be a better population of humans by now if this was working the way that, that life is intended. And right now, it's it's not. It's ugly. It's a mess. I mean, goodness. I mean, I just was on Facebook for a few minutes and just, yeah, you know. If you really take a look at where history was when Christ showed up on the scene, nothing new under the sun. We're in a pretty broken world, just as it was then, but now it's been 2,000 years later, and things have only continued to get worse because we've cut off the Messiah as prophesied. We've gone through our own spiritual exodus, and the goal should now be how do we, how do we obtain a new humanity and knowing that it's not going to be by our own ability but rather his grace but faith is a part of his grace it's a gift and it comes by hearing and by the word and that's that's what these rants are about these are things in his word not only that but then mixed with experiences i've had in my life which again according to paul's letter second corinthians 3 we're living epistles if we do believe in Jesus and we've been made ministers of this new covenant and able to to live this life as an open book and so that's that's the goal and that's that's where I'm at I've forsaken everything we've been living on the road for a couple of years just living as minimal as possible making tents <laughs> along the way and just seeing God do some pretty amazing things that we'll discuss in more detail in our testimony segments with Off the Beaten Path family. But for this and what we're doing now, this new humanity, it's about getting a fresh start. He says, to those who overcome, I'll give them a white stone with a new name written on it. And so everything, if you look at what happened with Christ, this was the first fruits. This was the former reign, just as Peter said. You know, he, he quoted Joel. He said, this is what Joel prophesied. Then the latter days I pour out my spirit on all flesh. And if you read Joel 2, where this is coming from, there's a former and a latter. And so this is the first time this type of, of quote is being made. And so now where's the latter come into picture? You know, And so there's, there's more I'll get into in, a, in another time. Just know we're here. We're here. We're at this transition period. Just as Daniel came to the conclusion of the numbers of exile, so too has, has the word of the Lord come to me in ways that have just rocked my world and revealed to me that we're in this time. And just as in Daniel's day, 
they started to move back to Israel. That's when things began. He continued helping with the king. He was second in command of the king up until Cyrus, his first year, if you read in the book of Daniel. Well, then what was Cyrus responsible for? The rebuilding of Israel after its destruction from Nebuchadnezzar. And so, like, Babylon has destroyed us. We have mingled our faith with the things of this world and the mess. And so the need for something new is important because this world and the people that, you know, were looking for something to hope to and just haven't been brought up in the church or maybe a little bit but saw the hypocrisy and decided, no, this is wrong. They've just gone further down a broken path, and there's there's no light at the end of the tunnel. They're just hoping for something to change, and that's that's a lot of people. Myself was included in this mix, as I gave up on God when I was about 30, and for three and a half years, I'm, I kid you not, an exact 1,260 days, <laughs> I told my atheist best friend, the last Monday in August 2013 that I just, I didn't know what to believe in anymore, and I just don't believe in anything. And through some weird circumstance, on February 6, 2017, 1,260 days later, my same atheist best friend is now telling me that there's something to this Jesus guy after six days after I cried out to God saying, I need you to show up or I'm done. And he, he showed up in some very miraculous ways, and that's just the mustard seed. That's where things started. And the thing that he kept progressing was to show me this new name and what it meant. And if you continue to read in Revelation 19, it talks about this person on a white horse with a sword in his mouth, you know? And he has a name that only he knows. His new name, it's the Word of God. His name is the Word of God. And you're like, what? It's just it's extremely dense with metaphors in the book of Revelation, and so if you've not had some time to read through the entire Bible, I would encourage you. Picking up Revelation without having context and biblical narrative is it man, it's gonna lead you on so many rabbit trails of just all kinds of goofiness that this world has tried to figure out when it comes to understanding the book of Revelation and it's it's a mess. Throw away whatever you thought you knew about the book of Revelation and see it in the context of the metaphors that are already in what has been given to us from the beginning. It's there. And um, the naming is important. And so if you, if you read the sixth church in Revelation, there's seven churches, but the sixth one, he says, I, To those who overcome, I will write upon you the name of my God. The name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven, my new name. And then the other interesting piece to just keep following these threads of numbers and symbols and patterns, it's the tongues of angels, and it's it's amazing. It's highly symbolic, and that's the whole purpose. It, it's something that's common in every language. Every language has a lamp. It's a lamp into my feet and a light into my path, and we get the metaphor. We get it. We get being in darkness and knowing what it's like to have light to guide your path. 
And so now if you look at the sixth church, it's, it's the faithful church. And it says, because of their faithfulness, that they didn't give up. That the trial that's going to be on this whole world is preserved away from them. They're kept from this. It's very interesting. Then you look at the sixth seal in the book of Revelation. And it's the 144,000 who have the seal of God written on them. Very similar wording to things in the sixth church. And these are the 144,000. They're made up of the 12 tribes of Israel. This pattern that's been from the family that God picked in Genesis 12. 12, again. 12 in biblical patterns has shown his perfect government, if you will. His choice. And if you don't understand these earthly things, then how can you understand the spiritual? He's given us two lights. One to govern the day, one to govern the night. And what's interesting is we have 12 hours in a.m., 12 hours in p.m. <laughs> we have 12 months in a year. And it's just all of these things within time that he says that the sun, moon, and stars are for signs and seasons and time. But then there's other descriptions within the word that gives us far more understanding of stars in reference to angels. Hmm. There was Joseph who had a dream about 12 stars. He was one of them, and the others were his brothers, and they were bowing to him. <laughs> they didn't like that dream too much. It was some of what cost him his slavery in Egypt, but God had the plan. There's a woman clothed with the sun, the moon at her feet, wearing a crown of 12 stars. These patterns continue. In 2017, the things in Revelation chapter 12 literally played out in the heavens. And I will tell you, I was witness to this, and my life has not been the same since that year. There were things that began in, this, in the winter, even. It was a seed born in sorrow. A very repentant time in my life where God just... Man, you talk about some God-sized spankings. I was chastised heavily. Well-deserved. It's just how it was. But So now think about this concept with the 12s. Now we've got these 144,000, 12,000 of, of each of the, the 12 tribes. <clears throat> and then go further on to Revelation 21. It talks about now New Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven. With the same terminology that we read about the sixth church, the church of Philadelphia whose name is written upon them, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven. And when you see the description, it's the temple. Again, don't you know that you are the temple? And as he's describing the measurements of the temple, one of the measurements is the walls. There's watchmen on the walls. The angels who don't break rank on the walls in Joel. And it says that the cubits of the walls are 144 cubits, the measure of a man, that of his angel. I'm hoping some things click. 
That's what these rants are about. You're going to have to do some chewing and some digging. And what's interesting is, uh, again, if you don't understand these earthly things, how can you understand the spiritual? The, the Jews didn't eat pork. They ate primarily beef. And uh, what's funny is if you look at the anatomy of a cow spiritually, again, there's, there's parables and everything. They eat grass. Well, all flesh is as grass, is what the word says in these metaphors. And so uh, the first thing that they made while waiting for Moses and not waiting, being impatient, was a golden calf. It was an image of themselves, baby cows, just eating what they heard and saw others do, not understanding what had really happened with the miracles of God. And they, they made up their own minds of what they thought they saw, what they thought they heard, what they did, and didn't wait for the revelation to truly come. And uh, jumped the gun, made a golden calf. In that time period, what's crazy is if you think about it, it leads you to believe around this time it was Pentecost when the, the word of God was delivered unto Moses on the mount. And that's when the word was birthed. Well, where the letter kills, that day 3,000 died. The Spirit gives life. And if you look at Pentecost on the flip side, where not the word was birthed, but the Spirit, this contrast, 3,000 were added to the church and more daily. This is this new humanity, these things that are changing. And that was the first fruits. It was, it was cut off, but John. He was the only one that wasn't a martyr. And he was at the transfiguration and aligned with Elijah, who also had been carried forward. The remnant, a symbol. And I'm telling you, there are those of us that God has positioned us in our life experiences that he says, I will make you my witnesses. You have no choice in the matter. You're chosen. I mean, Jonah had the same situation happen. There's nothing new under the sun. And he, he tried his hardest <laughs> to run. And God's like, well, sorry, but you're going to have to die now. But even him was resurrected from the belly of this fish and vomited up onto the shore and still did exactly what he was ordained to do. said five words in Hebrew. <laughs> and... Uh, 120,000 and much cattle who didn't know their left hand from the right all repented. I just want you to think about the concept of what I said in connecting stars, angels, 144,000, this new humanity. There's a book that's been out of Christian popular circulation for a while, but it, it was part of the original King James in 1611. It's the fourth book that Ezra wrote. And I just encourage you to read it for yourself. It's not what enters the man that defiles him, but what comes out. Religion will tell you that it's dangerous to read books not in the 66 book canon. <laughs> and you're right, it's dangerous for them. There's a lot of pieces that's been missing. I'm not going to say I understand it all, but I've definitely had to expand my horizons over the last few years. And Man, that's amazing. There's There are things in this fourth book of Ezra that Jesus quotes word for word. In Matthew 23, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have kept you as a mother hen keeps her chicks under the wing. 
it's a quote from the fourth book of, I, of Ezra. And it just, it blows my mind when you see these things. But anyway, in chapter two, it's a prophecy about the Messiah, about Christ. He's also having a, a, a mountaintop experience and he sees on Mount Zion the mul this, this multitude. He doesn't give them the number, but he says there is one that has a higher stature above the rest and all of them are clothed in white and given crowns. And if you look at the imagery in Revelation 7 and 14, there's some interesting patterns that just, um, it corresponds amazingly. And he asks, who is this one who stands of higher stature above the rest? And the angel explains that this is the elect one. And it gives you the inference that the rest of them are the elect. And so if you look at it then through the story of Jesus, this was a prophecy of Jesus and then those who would follow him. And if you look at what the 144,000 says, they follow the lamb wherever he goes. His witnesses. Just as he had. Matthew 10. And when you're ready to throw away what you thought you knew and realize that there's a process of change, of translation into the kingdom, <laughs> and it's when you realize that you're written in, there's things in all of our lives where we're either written in because we're the multitude, and the multitude are listed in his word, but they're not named, they're not counted, they're not measured. those that are the temple they're measured and the pattern that continues from Moses to the prophets Ezekiel Revelation they all give measurements of the temple it's important it's measured it's counted 144,000 everything is very specific and it's a pattern that represents him in Romans 8, those he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, to be the firstborn of many brethren. Many brethren. And I'm, I mean, just take a look at the world. Do we have many people running around looking like little Jesuses everywhere? No. No. Not yet. But that's the hope that I have. And if you have ears to hear, I pray that you can slow down, chew on this for a minute, and just see what's what's the Spirit saying to you in this moment, and know that it's cost me everything. None of the people I used to know and run with in business really talk to me. There's a couple when they need help with something. It can be handy when it comes to some technical things. I was given great knowledge in business and other areas. I've forsaken it all. None of my networking community cares. <laughs> I mean, they don't get me wrong. They're not horrible people necessarily. But everyone's worried about their own world, especially when it comes to what's happening with this COVID-19 stuff and just the stress that's on today's environment. It's, it's ridiculous. But before that happened, I... I was no longer convenient to them. I was the guy that would show up at events 
with all of these other wealthy business owners with boxes of cigars. I enjoyed hanging with these guys and they enjoyed hanging with me, but man, you start talking about this Jesus stuff and really living it. <laughs> you know, Jesus said some, some hard words to his crowd one day. And after that day, they were like, man. Hmm. Said so many went home that day, many left. And he looked at the disciples, are you going to leave me too? And at that point, they, they had followed him so far that they just like, where do we got to go, man? Um, that's where I'm at right now. I've got, I've got nowhere else to go. It's him. And he has continued to prove himself, though I've been through various circumstances that have been trials, have been tribulation, has been reshaping my mind and heart and soul through a refining process of sanctification. And it's necessary. Living a cushy life isn't going to get you there. And so I would just, I want to encourage you, dig deeper. The window that you give through is a window that you receive through. There's a fairly popular Christian song out there that says, you can have it all. You can have it all, Lord. And for the longest time as a churchy entity Christian, I would just sing that song thinking that, oh yeah, I'm just going to. Give him as much as I can, you know. <laughs> no. I promise you there's more. And you won't know it until you open that window and give everything. And if you continue to read in Revelation that said to them who overcome, I will I will give all thanks. You will be joint heirs with Christ. And that same angel with the new name that was the word of God. When John was to worship him, he said, no, don't worship me. I'm a fellow brother and servant. Worship God. So this Christ figure, he's like, hey, no, you're in the place of this temple as well. And I need you to be me out there. And if we're equal, that means you are me. You are my representation. You are my spirit out there. And you know what? We we've, we've not seen that kind of life-giving heaven on earth it's been missing and so I want to gather with others that are are ready to say you know what we're in this position of not knowing not understanding but I hear what you're saying and can we come together with that humble spirit that says show us Lord let us lean not on our own understanding but acknowledge you in all of our ways all of our ways and know that we've, we've been missing it. And unless we're born again, unless we can look at things spiritually and not just carnally, born of water and of spirit, the letter kills. And that water, if we stay there, that's the Jordan, that's descent. There has to be ascension. And that only happens as we walk this path led of his spirit of refinement. And it sucks to the flesh. Like Paul's warned us about this. But he that has started a good work in you is faithful. He will perfect it. He will complete it. You will be perfect. But you got to take the hands off the wheel and what you think you're doing, what you think you know, 
I don't care how smart you think you are. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. It doesn't matter. Paul, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He said, I was teaching the spiritual people of the day what to do. And I was killing Christians thinking I was doing God a favor. <laughs> how far could I be missing the mark? I tell you, that there's pastors that aren't literally necessarily killing people. There might be. But they are throwing stones. They're using testaments they don't understand to justify their own broken ways. I've had the spear thrown at me metaphorically. I've had the word hypocrite. I've had the word heretic. <laughs> Blasphemer. I've, I've had so many insults thrown at me because of opening my mind to thinking in these directions. Looking at celestial signs and asking questions. I'm not making assumptions. I'm asking questions. Not to man, but to God. You've said these things are important. Can you help me understand them? Not for my sake, but for the people that I know need to to hear these things. Like, why are you, you waking me up to these things? And it's not so that I can take my family of six and go hide in a cave for a while until this, this earth is blown to hell so we can start over. No. This is the victory that overcomes the world and even our faith. His faith has been a gift to me. It's been extreme. It's been radical. And he'll give it to you too. And we're at a position where if you really take inventory, we're at some of the easiest times in our life right now to let go of everything we thought we knew because it sucks. It's okay. Why do you want to hold on to a steaming pile of poo any longer than you have to? Consider it done, throw it in the field, and be done with it. You don't need the thorns. The scares of this world are going to choke you out if you hang on to it. You can't be shallow about this. It has to be deep. It has to go deep. And you can't care what any other spiritual teacher is going to try to tell you about this process. You have to seek out your own faith. Seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling with this. Those birds will peck away any opportunity. But the field, he plants you there. And it's due time. And when you feel like your life is a pile of crap, I'm just trying to give you the biggest clue possible. You're in the field. And it's alright. It's a great place to be. <laughs> Although it might not seem like it at first. But the seed first has to die and be crushed. But new life does begin. And the beginning parts of that remain underground for quite a while. Before seeing the break of dawn. But once it starts to hit that sunlight, man. It starts to make its own food. Photosynthesis kicks in, right? If you don't understand these earthly things. How can you understand the spiritual? The woman was clothed in the sun. And the moon was at her feet. The moon representing the lesser light of night. But Paul says we're not children of the night, but of the day. And so the sun, the woman clothed with the sun, giving birth to this new humanity, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. If you read Revelation, it's extremely cryptic. The sun is mentioned 11 times. And if you look at the patterns of 11, the sign of judgment, chaos, disorder, things out of balance. When Judas of the 12 left 11, boom. You know, things change really quick. You know, in the words of Ron Burgundy, 
Well, that escalated quickly, you know? Wow. But that's just one example. Read it for yourself. It's when things change. Tables flipped. Eleven times the sun is mentioned. And it's a, it's a judgment. It's a flipping of tables. But here's the interesting thing. It does three different things. One, it tells time in the book of Revelation. Two, it punishes the wicked. Three, it clothes and empowers the righteous. Same thing. Same element. The sun. And so how our hearts are in alignment to him changes everything. And to be in right standing is to say it's okay to not know. But if you don't know, then to be humble and childlike and to ask of your, your Heavenly Father. Knowing He's probably going to tell you things you, your flesh is going to hate, but it, you know deep down it's good for you. It's going to make some changes that are necessary for us to truly live in love in this world. Not by this world standard of love, but a biblical love. 1 Corinthians 13, love. Read it. Weep. I did. On camera. 2017. When I was still mulling things over in my mind, the church that we were attending was moving into a new building. And they were doing what they called the, uh, the Ezra event. And they were reading the Bible completely through from beginning to end before they went into this new church, if you will, to consecrate it, symbolize this, this process of a new building. And they had members of the congregation sign up for different time slots. And it was a time slot. When you got there, wherever the last person left off, you picked up. And I, I wasn't even sure about this whole God thing. I'd already given up on him, but I'd had some pretty radical things begin to happen. And this was in February, shortly after these things had happened. And I felt led to sign up to read this. <laughs> As I'm looking for truth and I'm just open-minded about things. And lo and behold, where does it land for me to begin reading? 1 Corinthians 13. Freaked me out. And I, as I'm reading this, I'm, I'm going through some pretty tough things in my life where I had not loved my spouse the way that I needed to. I had not loved others the way that I needed to. And I, I was just breaking, realizing that I was not fitting the mold of love at all. But that, that kind of love, love that's patient, it's kind, it's not boastful, it's long-suffering, forgives, holds no record of wrongdoing. Man, there's a lot of stuff we got to let go of, people. It's killing us. Even while his, his murderers continued on, he, he forgave them and said, forgive them. They know not what they do. Who does that? When his spirit comes to you and you let that in, it's going to get easier, but you're going to wrestle with it at first. It's a process. Second Thessalonians 2.14 He talks about our salvation is through sanctification of the spirit and belief in the truth. And when the spirit of truth comes, we see and align to it. Because we've been living a lot of lies, folks. And the only way I can say that is I've been guilty of myself. And it led me to that broken point when he did come to me. And that's the hope I want to give in this. And 
there's a lot of heart behind this. It's not just doctrine. It's not just words. It's about life change. And you won't understand the things that I'm saying fully until those life changes happen. In. And so that's, that's the reason for the rant today. I want you to take a look at what this new humanity looks like and the promises he's given. Just look up Overcome in the Bible app if you've got it on your phone. It's like the most popular app out there. Just look up the Bible app from version. It's amazing. And uh, I, I read from the King James just because there's a lot of consistency and symbolism, if you will, and less editing and what I call leaven of the Pharisees, people giving us what they think their explanations are. And, you know, I'm not going to knock them all. There's some interesting things in some of these translations, but I just, I want as simple as I can <laughs> without all the extra fluff. Let's hear from the Spirit. He's our only teacher, according to John. And so that, that's what I'd recommend. Take a look at that. And then look at the promises to those who overcome. And continue to push forward knowing that keep looking into your life and see where he's been doing these things. If you're hearing these words, if you're beginning to follow the Savior, loving your neighbor more than yourself, closest neighbor being the people you live with. What are you doing to serve rather than to be served? You can't do that at your own home. How are you going to go out and change a world that's broken? And that's, that's why I've disappeared for three years. And I said, you know what? Let's just get a grip on the six of us. <laughs> and I think we're finally getting to a point to where are we growing still? Of course, and we will until we reach that perfection in his time. But I hope that you can see the light in us that's been burning brighter and brighter as these changes have been manifesting in us as his spirit has led. And I pray that over you. I pray that the eyes of your heart are opened. That in the moments that you're in, that you can see them for what they are. And that understanding and wisdom and revelation come as you fear God Almighty, realizing we're in these last days. It was supposed to be this ugly. It was predicted. For no other reason than this is the lesson of humanity. And we're coming to the, the final point. There is an eternity where he wipes away every tear. Every horrible thing that has ever happened to anybody on this earth is removed. Look up Revelation 7, the multitude. Those that have gone through the great tribulations of this world. Their robes have been washed. It's been through this process. That is the sanctification. It is a process of suffering. And when you do it for his name's sake, everything that Christ is, you become. Including Isaiah 53. I've lived it. And it's been the weirdest thing to ever feel as though I could compare my life to something that described our, our Messiah. I don't say that in, in arrogance. It was only his setup. For those he did foreknow, he did predestinate. He stacked the deck. All I had to do was show up and walk through it. And the same is for you. That's the faith. Show up, walk through it. Put your faith into action and keep moving. And if you've got questions, you know, um, submit them in the messages. I might not be able to answer everybody directly, 
Um, but as I see the questions that come in, there's going to be some consistency. I'm, I'm sure of just some themes and concepts that people are like, what are you talking about here? And I'd love to be as clear as I possibly can, but no, Jesus said things in ways that to those who followed him, they perceived. And they didn't have to see a sign. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks a sign. But those who have ears, it doesn't require sight. Faith comes by hearing. Hear and understand. And if you're not following him, you won't. And so I encourage you. Hear what that spirit is saying. Hear what that still small voice is saying and follow it. And the way to test it is if it's encouraging you to do something in behalf of someone else. And it's going to put you out. There's a pretty good chance that's the direction you need to go. I can't say that that's the case in every circumstance, but man... I've yet to have one that it wasn't. And when I, when it played out, my mind was blown at the things that, that our Father set up. It blows me away. There's times where it's the simplest thing. Five-minute favor for me. And I, it seems maybe weird at the time, but you just do it. And you realize that to that person, it was everything for them in that moment. And he'll set you up for those. He needs people that are ready to just follow blind faith and do that. To love others. Love the stranger, the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the sick, the imprisoned. Those are the ones he's come for. And if his spirit is in you, you're going to have a compassion for that. And if you don't, it's time to have a really good come to Jesus meeting and ask why. And if you take a look at your life, show me your treasures and I'll show you where your heart is. So these are some tough words for some, encouraging for others. Maybe a little bit of both. But I pray that you hear and you're prompted to take action and do something new. It gives him the opportunity to do something new too. But I love you all and... Uh, Thanks for hanging out with me. I will catch you on the next episode. This is Rob Stone with Rob's Rants and Spiritual Meditations.